Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the good, the bad, and the Kirk. We're going to talk about the impressive yet clunky win over the Detroit Lions this past Sunday, 28-24. to We're going to talk about the good things, we're going to talk about the bad things, and we're going to talk about the things that just don't make a lot of sense yet, but they will soon. Welcome aboard to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Writer at NBC Sports Edge. Contributor at USA Today's Vikings Wire. Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks and founder of Substack Run and Shooter, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. In the words of one of my favorite broadcasters of all time, you are looking live. I am Tyler Fornis, and with me is our favorite construction worker, Dave in the top corner. How you doing, sir? I am good in my day glow green. Yes, I had to wear these when I worked for American Building Company. We worked inside the plant. We needed high-vis stuff, and this is one of the things I used to wear because it got hot, and this is nice, lightweight. It's good. But it makes my beard pop. So, Hey, you know what? Anything to make a beard look good, let me tell you. I cannot quite grow exactly what you have because, as you can tell, my cheeks they don't exactly grow well. I, I'm 32 years old. I don't think that's changing anytime soon, but – we can talk about facial hair another day because we have plenty of meat on the bone when it comes to our Minnesota Vikings. Listen, we're going to be honest. That was a clunker. That was an ugly game that the Vikings arguably did not deserve to win. The difference between this year's team and last year's team, they figured out a way to win. Um, first of mind, did they, they deserve the, to lose? I think both teams were question. sort of, you know – on there, especially that that final decision by a kneecap biter. Um, mm-hmm. That final decision by Dan Campbell makes no sense considering his coaching dogma. It makes no sense considering how he called the rest of the game. It was like he just decided, hey, I'm just going to stop being aggressive and listen to analytics, and I'm just going to kick a field goal to only go up six, which would have still put them in the same position. So it's it's a very interesting game when you kind of look at it from start to finish. At the end of the day, they won a clunker. And friends of mine at the Solid Verbal Podcast, it's a college football podcast. They always talk about win your clunkers. And when you don't play well, and when you have a game where you don't show up for half of it, and you figure out a way to win. Dave, the Vikings did that. And honestly, they did not do that in the Mike Zimmer era. This is a Rarely big step for the yes. Minnesota Vikings. They figured out a way to win a game they really shouldn't have won. 
And they did it by doing something only one other Vikings team has ever done in franchise history. That was the 1979 Vikings when they beat the Chicago Bears 30-27. to They came back from two double-digit deficits. That 79 team was down 14-3 in the first quarter, 27-17 in the fourth. They figured out a way to do it. This Vikings team, 14-0 in the second, 24-14 in the fourth. They came back with two 14-point swings in order to take this game. And there were a lot of little elements that we can really talk about. One I want to start with, Dave, I want to start with the running game. They really tried right away to establish the running game. And they did a good job. Cook had 94 yards before he dislocated his shoulder for what feels like the 900th time. Oh, is that Odie? Hi, buddy. Odie decided to come say hi. He's being a good puppy today. Aren't you, bud? Yeah. Yes, and Dalvin did have a good game up until the point that he ran into the back of Ezra Cleveland and what do they call it? Sub sublocate, something like that, where his shoulder pops out of joint and uh, he dislocated it. They popped it back in, but he's going to deal with it. It's the same injury he's had before. So mm-hmm. um, he says he's going to play next this coming up week. They'll put a harness on it. That's yet to be seen. Who knows? But he did have a good game up until that point. Yeah, and it's really interesting with Dalvin Cook because reports came out right away, Dave, that he was going to play next week. And that came from Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. He explicitly said, per source, Dalvin will play next week and he will wear that shoulder sling that you talked about. I think Dalvin and, said it. Yeah, and we found out that Dalvin did was the one that told him that. And... Minutes later in the press conference, Kevin O'Connell said that he's going to be day-to-day. They're going to evaluate him. And what's really interesting, Dave, this is a London game, but they're treating it like a semi-normal week. They're leaving on Friday. The Saints are already there. And the reason why the Saints are already there versus how the Vikings are handling it, the Saints played in Carolina. So they, they have a much shorter commute, and then they don't have to necessarily double back home. The Vikings were already at home. So now their travel day is going to be Friday. They'll probably practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, have a walk through Saturday, and then they'll be ready to go Sunday. So this this team is already prepared for what's coming. But the short turnaround with travel, it is an eight-hour direct flight. So you let's say you leave at nine o'clock. I've made it numerous times. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get there at five five o'clock our time. It'll be like eleven o'clock England time. No, they're, they're nope, 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 nope. They've already put I, out roughly the schedule. They're going to take off, I think it's late Wednesday night. They're going to land Thursday, Friday, well, late Thursday, land Friday morning in England. All right? Okay. So they'll be there Friday morning. The deal is they're sort of going to be, if you think about it, they're six hours behind. So that's going to feel like it may be six in the morning England, but it's going to feel like, Midnight on Thursday-ish, body clock-wise. They're going to try to keep those guys up that didn't nap on the way over. And the best way to do a long flight is to sleep through it. Uh, Take my word for it, that is the easiest way to do it. Once you get there, they're going to keep him up all day Friday. I would not doubt if they go through a walkthrough on Friday and then another one on Saturday. For the Sunday morning game, it'll be... It's morning for us, but it's afternoon for them. 
they're going to try to keep them as close as possible towards central time-ish. So the body clocks aren't too messed up. There's no way to get around that. But I always found when I flew east, I had an easier time adjusting than when I flew back west, um, back okay. to the States. So um, they're looking also at the game after that when they play the Bears. So yeah, um, I don't, you know, they've done it before where they've taken off and spent the whole week in England and completely adjusted. And that would mm-hmm. be absolutely perfectly fine if they had the bye after that week. They did not want the bye after that week because it would be early. So they requested not to. So what they're going to try to do, the whole purpose of going in on Friday morning, landing in England on Friday morning, having Friday, Saturday, and then play Sunday, is so that they can not feel the adjustment as much. So when they come back, they're also good and not adjusting as much. Um, to the time difference change because I know I've done it dozens and dozens and dozens of times and it's always you generally take an hour for a day to adjust your body there's ways to cheat that you can speed it up and you can slow it down and they're going to try to do just that good nutrition staying well hydrated uh, that's a big key to it wind time caffeine or energy drinks if you're wanting that so that you get the uh, crash, all right? If you do a monster, I like monsters, right? If you do Mm -hmm. a monster, a monster would keep me up for about five to six hours, right? But I could time that if I wanted to stay awake that five or six hours. Then you'd crash, then you'd go to bed after that. And you could adjust your body clock a little bit quicker that way. There's There's other things, but nutrition and hydration are a big deal. I think what they're doing, because teams have done it both ways in the past, I think this will work. I think it's the best idea. I do do like what they're doing. I'm not worried about them being lethargic. That's not going to be the case. Because if they even if they stay on central time, it's what? A it's an eight o'clock start here in the morning. So that would put it plus six hours, two o'clock in the afternoon, central time. They'll be fine. And they'll adjust and it almost feel like noon to them. So it should be, I like the idea. I'm not worried about it. No need yeah, for fans not, to be worried either. I'm not really worried about it. And I'll tell you this. The fact that the Vikings have an 830 game means we get to watch all three slates of football without having to watch the Vikings. And that sounds really weird. Like, if any of you have seen my pictures on Twitter, I have three TVs in my basement. I can watch three games at once. The Vikings being in a solo time slot for me is peak because then I can watch them. I can do my writing for the Vikings wire, which I highly recommend you check out. If you have not, I put up a lot of fun and interesting stuff that kind of, I try to at least make you think a little bit. And then I can just sit and watch all of it. It's great. I can just watch all the games at my own leisure and I don't have to worry about it. And what it also does is the Vikings are essentially a national primetime game because they're the only game on. So they're, they're the only game on. Yeah. A lot of views. So it's on NFL network. When, it's, correctly. Yep. when you talk about Kirk Cousins, this is a primetime football game. 
Let, let's just call it what it is. It's going to be, what, like a 130 or 230 kick in London. That's kind of what it is. It's going to be a big primetime game. And considering how Kirk played in his last primetime game, and we know the narrative on Kirk, it's been beat to absolute death. It's mm-hmm. a primetime game. We'll see how he reacts to it. And this is Totten, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It is a soccer stadium, but purposely built for the NFL. They have massive locker rooms. It was designed purposely with the NFL in mind, using the NFL. They were over there helping them. It is a relatively new stadium. It is gorgeous. They are going to have a good time. It's not Wembley. This, this Like I said, this stadium was designed to show NFL football. And if London ever gets a team, that's where they're going to be based. Most likely. Yeah, it's versus Wembley. It wouldn't, exactly. Wembley's cool as hell. It's got it's kind of got like that Lambeau Field vibe where it's got like the history. It's got the history. And it's yeah. it's it's a really cool like landmark. But as far as like a modern day NFL stadium, no. That's where the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium comes into play. But enough about London, Dave. I see you got your snifter. What yes. is in there tonight? Uh I'm drinking Irish. It is uh just a Good basic Irish powers. Nothing can't okay. go wrong with them. Um, nothing special in the way of Irish, but it's not a bad Irish. It's a good Irish, and I'll drink it all day long. Why? Because I haven't found a Scotch I like yet. Which um, probably disappoints uh, the Queen, rest in peace, but I have not found one yet I like. Dave, um, try... Glenlivet, 15-year French Oak Reserve. It's about as close to a bourbon a scotch is going to get. That's probably your gateway. Um, I've got a bottle at home. It's very good. Um, but let's let's kind of get into this, Dave. We're going to talk about the good and the Kirk. And Kirk was everything in this game. He was very good. He was very bad. He was like, what in the world are you doing, Kirky boy? Um, it, it, the, the biggest frustration I have with Mr. Kirk Cousins other than Odie biting my $700 chair, is the fact that Kirk is inconsistent. And David drives me bonkers that Kirk is inconsistent. It's early in the season. He always has a game like the last one and this one. But in this one... He what you are right, hundred percent. He was inconsistent. We saw bad Kirk, and we saw good Kirk, and we saw good Kirk at the best time in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And now, look, Dave, I want to point this out. I understand your argument. Hey, it's early in the season. Look, the guy's an eleven-year vet. I, I I'm not going to use that as an excuse here. Kirk, it's boy. Him. Yeah, I know, but that's the problem. Yeah. Like, I'm not asking him, Dave, I'm not asking him to be a god. I'm not asking him to go out and play like Zeus. I'm not asking him to be Mahomes. I'm asking him to be consistent with who he is. That is not an unfair ask. But he is consistent with who he is. He goes through this every season. Yeah, be be his relatively good consistent. Oh, you want good Kirk all the time. If we had good Kirk all the time, we are going deep into 
January and uh, February. If we have good Kirk, you don't even have to time. be good Kirk all the time. Just don't be bad Kirk. Just like some of his decision making, and I I have the all twenty two, and I'm I'm slowly going through it, and he's the offensive line, Dave. I round of applause for the offensive line. Like they have been tremendous. Garrett Bradbury looks like a different player. We had major doubts. And there was a lot of talk from Kevin O'Connell that Garrett Bradbury was going to be better because they did the same with Brian Allen. Brian Allen just got a contract extension after year four with the Los Angeles Rams. Bradbury, he had a couple reps, Dave. He's good. And I don't know what happened. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) No. Bradbury's better, and they are getting the most out of Bradbury. And he had an excellent game. I'll give you that. No, no, no. And maybe two excellent games. Hopefully, two in a row. Hopefully, they fixed his mechanics. Because I told you, centers his size, which is relatively small, three hundred ish, can be good centers if the technique is right. It's all about technique. He's never had on pass blocking his technique right. I still saw some things I didn't like, but he is getting better, which means the coaches are working on him with that. You know, this is how you do it. This is how you position. You have your weight over the balls of your feet. You you try to keep your feet going. That's one of one of his big failures because he'll stop pumping his feet. You don't see that with Ed Ingram. Now Ed Ingram has had his own issues yesterday, but he's playing better. I like that. I want him to play better. I want him to look like, hey, this is a contract year for me. I'm going to take that step up from crappy pass blocker to decent pass blocker and try to get a either an extension by the Vikings or uh, you know a free agent contract somewhere. So, but to say he's well, to say he's good. Believe it or not, PFF has him right now after three games ranked the sixth highest center. On their board. Yeah. Look, it's back-to-back games of him figuring it out, Dave. And I don't want to necessarily crown him before it's actually become a true constant. Dave, it's becoming a – we now have a trend of (laughs) back-to-back games of him being good. Now, I'm not going to call him Jason Kelsey. I'm not going to call him a top-tier center in the NFL. Dave, all we wanted from him is average. Yeah, we're getting to a be little good. bit we're better than that. Now. And we're getting good. This is good. Like Ed Ingram is the worst offensive lineman, and he's been solid. Like he's For the most he's part, not yes. making. Yeah, he's he has been like the best part about your offensive line, unless they're absolute ass kickers like Trent Williams, is when you don't talk about them. When did they talk about the offensive line for the Vikings during that entire game? They didn't. Odie, did you poop? I think you <laughs> T. Kubler, I, uh, I hope Kirk Cousins has a passing clinic uh, like he did at Wembley, like you said. I appreciate that. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Billy Lester, you had said no, he not. Uh, I'm assuming that's uh, consistency on Kirk Cousins. Uh, the whole thing, my point is he's always inconsistent beginning of the season. And he's been consistent at being inconsistent. That is normal. Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins, he has 11 seasons of it. Now, however, mm-hmm. with the inconsistency, 
starting this weekend, we're rolling into Kirktober. And we all know Kirk plays well in October. So that may be a great sign, especially with the next three games. I don't want to look too far ahead, but hopefully he rocks and is good. Saints, Bears, Dolphins. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, but I don't want to get too far ahead. Let's, uh, Bears are two and one. How? I'm not quite sure. Uh, Dolphins Uh, are legit. Texans and Monsoon. I know, I know, I know. I know how it happened. I just, they've been lucky. And sometimes luck happens. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we'll kind of wrap up the Kirk part. Yeah. The biggest thing. Yeah. Um, but when Kirk has seven seconds, it still takes the set. Yes, there was that problem. That was bad, Kirk. Yeah. Early in the game. But I will also say there were a few instances where Kirk had to hang on to the ball, and there was nowhere to go. Coverage was overall not too bad. Um, they also had a lot of penalties. The strategy seemed to be we're going to grab and we're going to keep grabbing. And then we're going to get some five-yard calls. That's fine because we're going to win enough of those battles where it'll make a difference. And there were some third downs and where we'll they were grabby it. and it wasn't called. Right. And so the refs are like, ah, I can't call another one. I'll just keep it in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And so they keep the flag in their pocket, mm-hmm. right, instead of throwing it, especially at the end of the game. Yeah. At, I just that's, – That's a strategy, and it's a strategy that worked. However, that, not that I'm blaming Kirk on that, yes, at those times, Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne, uh, Justin Jefferson, we watched Justin Jefferson, he was minimum doubled, sometimes tripled. Uh, were, they said during a press conference today, there was nine different reps where he wasn't bracketed or doubled. Um, that uh, Coach O'Connell needs to suddenly start messing with that to make sure guys are coming open. And he tried with Irv Smith. Irv Smith, who looked outstanding last year in the time he played in the preseason here, has suddenly forgotten Mm -hmm. how to catch football for the most part. Yes, he scored a touchdown. Congratulations, Irv. But you're not being the impact player we anticipated you to be. And dropping footballs is not what a tight end is supposed to do. Part of your job description is to catch footballs. Um, your opinion is yeah. everybody needs to stop worrying about JJ. I agree with you. I'm not worried about JJ. Um, yeah, he may have mentally gotten a little out of funk, but he'll get back into it. Well, JJ is still yeah. on his way to greatness. New, mm-hmm. not worried about that. He abs. He absolutely is. Um, like very, very impressed overall with. Um, how the Lions attack this game because they were not going to let Justin Jefferson beat us. And I think it's a big constant that we need to look at moving forward, Dave. Um, can you hear that? Yes. Odie found us. Odie found the squeaker toy. What a good boy, Odie. There is two piles of dog shit in my office, and I can't stop smelling it. It is awful. Odie just killed the little ducky, though. So he's he, commenting he is a, he's a on good the hunter. team on Kirk Cousins' first half play. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I think this is going to be a strategy that a lot of teams look at moving forward. And we're going to need KJ Osborne and Adam Thielen to step up. Yeah. And the Vikings are going to have to figure out a way for Jefferson to beat him. And he's not going to 
uh, keep getting free releases off the line of scrimmage like he did in Green Bay. He is going to have to figure out how to beat the man coverage. When he does, Dave, it's a good sign for the Vikings because Thielen and Osborne are beating second and third corners. They're beating safeties. They're beating linebackers. Um, O'Connell's going to have to get creative. They're going to have to figure it out. And when they do figure it out, it's going to be good. Irv Smith, Troy Williamson, look, Irv Smith's yeah. had two, two pretty rough drops. It's also three games in. Let's. I let's know Rhino is hurting over that, but no, it's yeah. not quite. I know Rhino, right. great, great guy, great show of Vikings Uncensored. When you're done here, go check them out. But yeah, I'm not willing to go Irv Smith uh, as Troy Williamson. Um, but I will say, Irv Smith can still be a good player, and the things he can do are things that the rest of the tight end room can not do. And that is why he he was featured. And you don't have to look any farther than that out route that he caught on the sidelines. He absolutely manipulated the linebacker and took that and took him to school. And that's what he can bring to the offense. He needs to figure out how to catch the football. Look, stand in front of a jugs machine for three hours. You'll figure it out. Like whereas I'm Ben Ellison did. Johnny Mutt did. I love that Ben Ellison got a good game. Uh, mm-hmm. Had a good game because I love yeah, very good game, Dave. Catch and Johnny Mutt falls to that category as well. But the whole idea of Irv was Irv was that sort of hybrid tight end wide receiver that could do some spectacular things, and we have yet to see it since he's come back from his injury. So it's like I said, yeah. it's still early. It's you know who knows this all new season. Uh, systems, right? The offense is new to them. The guys like it, but there are going to be things that come out and they're going to get better at it as the season goes. What is nice is they're not peaking right now. I think it was uh, Adam Thielen that talked about it, that, you know, you suddenly start winning games and you feel comfortable and then that's as far as you go, right? They're not peaking right now. There is so much room for improvement. It's nice to be two and one. And three and one and four and one and five and one, right? But let's keep improving. Let's get that down. And then by week six, seven, eight, you're going to have the offense should be humming up at full speed. Defense, believe it or not, is a little slower because they're going to a completely brand new system and they're taking a while. And it showed on Sunday. Right to much of my frustration, it showed, and you were you know wondering who's covering who, who's not dishing off in their zones properly, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's going to also catch up, and as long as we're still winning and we still have room to improve, that's a good thing. As long as we keep progressing down that line to getting better and playing more proficient, both on both sides of the ball. And winning at the same time, we are setting ourselves up for something that can be pretty sweet. So let's hope that's the case. And you muted your microphone. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that, that was because a little, my little honey bunches of Odie decided, hey, I'm going to use the squeaker toy while Dad's talking on the TV. Uh-huh. But he's... He's a very good puppy. He just he doesn't know what to do with himself because he's never in my office because he's a little absolute little turd. Um, and 
but he's wonderful. I want to address this by Anthony. Please get Brian Asamoa on the field quickly. Now. I'm out. No. Oh, but. He's not there yet. But there was this play on special teams where he ran very good. down and absolutely buried the dude like the 12 or 15-yard line, and it was very good. The fact that he has speed, we love. And sure, Anthony, but that's I want, not everything. Yeah. Anthony, I want to see him develop more. I uh, hope he gets practice reps at one of the linebacker positions and learns how to read the every everything in football you have keys that you're looking for tells sort of deal uh you're looking at uh when i used to coach linebackers i tell them look at the guards right and there's certain things how their hands were placed how much weight's on their hands that tells you run or pass uh are they leaning where's the first step things like that he needs to learn so that he can come up when you have a defensive tackle that's playing a two-gap, he's there to fill the opposite gap. But if he aims for that opposite gap and then the defensive tackle slides in, now you got both the guys in that gap and it leaves the other one open. And if you have a decent running back, he's going to cut back into it and the linebackers missed his assignment. He's got to learn that. It's going to take a little bit of time. But it's going to happen. Uh, I do like I do like his future very much. So, and like I said, I love his speed and I love his attitude. Let him go. I, he's a fourth rounder. Let him develop. That's cool. And hopefully, he doesn't have to go in because Kendricks or Hicks got hurt. We don't want that. The problem the problem I have with Asamoa is he can't see, and that's going to come with time. And you kind of laid it out pretty nicely, Dave. The is Hicks exciting? No, not really. Is the is speed and athleticism for Massimo incredibly appealing? Oh yeah. But here's here's the problem with all that. It doesn't matter if you're really good at at um being really fast and athletic. If when you see the field, it's it doesn't matter if you read the wrong gap. That can be the difference between a two yard run and a touchdown. And quite frankly, that's kind of where we're at with Massimo right now. Enjoy the fact that he's got a lot of potential. Enjoy the fact that he's fast. He's great on special teams. Look, he is not there as far as being an every down player on offense. And that's okay. He's a third round pick. You drafted him to be your future, not your now. And because of all that, take your time with him. Hicks is playing fine. He's playing above replacement level football. He and Kendricks are a good pair. There are mistakes from Hicks. Don't get me wrong. He's not making super flashy, exciting plays, but he's playing stalwart football. And quite frankly, that's what we need next to Kendricks right now. Asamoah is not going to give you that, and he is going to not – he just needs to learn how to see the field better. Film study, talking with guys in in the meetings, seeing things, talking with the position coaches during the game, those things are going to help him. He can help see the field better on special teams by running kicks where if you make a little bit of a mistake, there's more people that are going to be able to help you than there would have been on defense. Like there's yeah, a lot if of elements. You're three to five yards off the line of scrimmage. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh. Uh, Rhino asks, what's going on with scene? Oh, I, I wrote seen. about that a lot. I wrote about that a lot this week for the Vikings Wire, Dave. Well, tell us about it. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to get Odie to stop uh, chewing on my <laughs> computer charger because he's a little turd biscuit. Oh, Odie. Odie, you need to bring a uh, hold of Odie up in front of the camera so all of us can see. Oh, you know what? I can do that. My sweet buddy. Come here. Oh, you, you, Rhino, I'm you curious. Are. What do you think the problem is with Lewis C? Ah. Here he is. Hey, Jody. Hi, buddy. Good, good boy. Good, good, good boy. Odie, can you say something? Ruff. Ruff. <laughs> you got his Ruff. attention. Ruff. Now he's like that. Yeah. Odie's a very good puppy, but he is a little active right now, and Mom is not home, so he's alone with Dad, and I, I just did not have the heart to put him in the crate. So it is him and I. And I am giving him room to roam, and it was good for the first half of the show. Now he's getting a little rambunctious. But Lewisine, so the biggest thing with Lewisine, Dave, he always needed a little time, and that's fine. He was a guy who played in the SEC. His biggest positives were that he could read and react and diagnose quickly, and then he had the athleticism to absolutely explode downhill and take, take care of business. Problem is, when you go to the NFL, there is a speed adjustment, even if you're playing in the SEC against Alabama and Florida and Tennessee, Ole Miss. Like, we're talking the NFL caliber speed at all those programs. Problem is, it, not everybody is NFL caliber. So once you get to the NFL and you're playing NFL caliber talent, it's just a different ball game. Now, seeing... I, I don't have an explanation for why he played zero snaps. I will say it is hard to fault the coaching staff because Metellus had a very good game. Yes, he did. 87.2 PFF grade, had the game-ending interception, almost had it a couple plays prior. He played really well. He played smart football. And, and you saw 44 all over the field making tackles. Yeah. Um, he was up towards the line of scrimmage. Making tackles, he was back. He was, he had a fan, fantastic game, and quite mm -hmm. pleased over that. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you do you want to see your first round pick play? Absolutely. Do you want to see him grow and develop? Duh. Nobody's going to argue that point. But the problem is, he he needs time. He's getting that time. We have to be patient. He's going to be fine. What he showed in the preseason, exactly what I talked about. He read and reacts just a titch slow, and when he attacked downhill, he was this close. He is going to be a problem, Dave, in time. But time, unfortunately, is not now. He just needs a little bit. They're going to start using more penny packages, five on the line, one linebacker, five defensive backs. And with Bynum and Seen's ability to play in the slot and how Chandon Sullivan is not a good slot cornerback, and we've kind of seen that bear out over the past few weeks, this is how yeah. the Vikings are going to continue to grow and develop. And they're going to be able to use some of those sub packages. I am very excited to kind of see how things grow and progress. But I will say this much. Just be patient. It's annoying that you have to be this patient, but you have to try. And just be excited. The fact that he's playing on special teams, he's playing well. Mattel has played very well on Sunday, 
And he he played about as well as you could have expected Harrison Smith to play. That's saying something for a sixth round pick out of out of Michigan who really was not really thought to amount much of nothing. To be able to do that, Dave, tremendous. And Metellus's first couple years were a little rough, but he has developed and he's developed nicely. And he may be a keeper at the end of his contract. Yeah, absolutely. And at the very least, Dave, he'll be a keeper on special teams, and that is a that's a big deal. Now, oh, definitely. On we'll kind of talk a couple more points here to talk about, and then we're going to move on to kind of a quick preview of the Saints game, which the network is going to, have to do a great job of talking about all week. Defensive line. Dalvin Tomlinson was all over the place. Zadaria Smith had five pressures. Daniel Hunter had three. Did they get – oh, hi, Puffy. Do you want up? Do you want to come see me? Come on. Oh, there we go, Puffy. He's waiting oh. here. Yep. Um, so the big thing was Zadaria Smith and Daniel Hunter. They did a great job, but at the end of the day, they didn't get any sacks. And sometimes that's okay. Um, Jared Goff was really good at delivering the football. He was throwing with timing. He was throwing with anticipation. Look, this this looked like peak Jared Goff with the Los Angeles Rams, and that is that is a compliment because Goff was basically dumped by the Rams because he couldn't keep growing and developing. Right, puppy? Yes. Yeah. Odie agrees. He's sitting in my lap. I'm sorry you can't see him. <laughs> I'm trying to keep him calm so he doesn't eat my shorts. Um. <laughs> Good boy, puppy. Good boy. Come on. That could go terribly badly. Mm -hmm. Well, especially because I have clothes sitting out here. Don't I, Odie? Yeah. Um, Look, the defensive line was all over the place. They were attacking. They were aggressive. Uh, Daniil Hunter looked like his old self. The sacks are an inherently random stat. Pressures are not. They, They are on pace for 40 sacks, which is a solid number. But they got a lot of pressures against Jared Goff. Um, eight of them specifically came from Smith and Hunter. Keep getting pressure. You will make a difference. Those sacks will come. You're in, you're impacting the passing game no matter what. And I think hey, Garvin, me, Detroit has a amazing. very good offensive line. You got to remember mm-hmm. that. Right, right Odie? Does he, do, do they have a good offensive line? No, he doesn't want to get in the camera shot. He's shy. Um, now, Daniel asks, hit on Kenei Wongu and special teams. He was getting there, too. Mm-hmm. Have you looked at those stats? Was, uh, special teams? No, I have I have not. I was discussing this with uh, – oh, I see Ezra Cleveland. Yes. Um, I was discussing this with our buddy Drewster today. Mm-hmm. Kenei Nwangu is averaging over 20 yards per return. Right How many 20. yards over 20? Oh, I think just right at 20. But 20 yards okay. is 20 to 23, something like that. I'd have to look for the season. Okay. Right? Which is good. You want that minimum from a kick return. Mm-hmm. Right? You have also yes. Jalen Rigger is averaging 10 yards. You That's good for a punter. Punter's average is usually about nine. You get 10. Mm-hmm. Now, but we've all watched Kenne get those and bring those back. And it's always like, <clears throat> he just got tackled. <clears throat> He just got that. Well, there's mm-hmm. going to be a day when some coverage team, they kick the ball and the coverage guys come down and they make a wrong decision. And we all know it. 
today is going to be gone. So yep. I can live. If, if his minimum is 20 yards, we can live with that. Because teams mm-hmm. are starting to figure out, don't kick it through the end zone if your special team is good enough. This is where Matt Daniels and our special teams coach has figured it out. The Vikings lead the league in establishing the worst field position for the opponent um, on kickoffs. And they did it the first bunch of kicks in game one, blasted through the end zone. That starts you at the 25, right? Then they Mm -hmm. had one return. They stopped that. And I think it was like 17, and they went, hmm. Mm-hmm. Matt Daniels went, hmm. So now they've got Greg Joseph kicking towards the corners, but short, and then letting the coverage teams get them, mm-hmm. and they're averaging right around the 21-yard mark, which is four yards shorter than the 25 if they would have kicked it through the end zone. That, Cody agrees. That, over time, builds up. When you have Kenny on our side doing that, and he's getting 20 yards. Yeah, it may not be quite the 25 he gets to, but you all know that all he has to do is slip that one guy, and that's going to happen. It only happened twice, two, three times last year. It's going to happen this year, too. Not every team is as good at special teams coverage. Maybe it's the three we've already played. Yeah. That's going to happen. I think – uh Kenny, we're going to be doing some Wang Chung tonight uh, when it comes to Saturday or, or Sundays in the near future. So be happy about that. Absolutely. Um, there are a lot of good things. And then uh, Anthony brings up Christian Derrissaw. Look, keep an eye on the Vikings. I'm going to talk a lot about Derrissaw this week. He was great. The Vikings have finally figured out both tackle positions, which is the most important two positions on the offensive line. Now that they have their bookends, keep building out the interior and make sure you have those guys long-term. Just great to see. Um, This game against the Saints, Dave, it is Vikings minus three is the opening line, or minus two and a half, depending on the book. So basically, this is a neutral field. Vikings are favored by three. They would be favored by five and a half or six if they were playing at U.S. Bank. It's a game the Vikings should win. They should go into London and be able to take out a good, but not great, New Orleans Saints team. Jameis Winston throwing to uh, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and my guy Chris Olave with Alvin Kamara in the backfield. They have a good offensive line. They have a really good defensive line. They have corners. Uh, Marcus Lattimore is there, and he is a fantastic football player. Look, this is a Saints team that can compete with the Vikings. They can play with them. They They can honestly beat them. The Vikings need to be able to match up. They need to play well in the trenches. They need to figure out how to get Justin Jefferson involved. And if they can't, it has to be the Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne show. Dalvin Cook cannot be relied upon in this game, even if he plays, because we've seen it before. He comes back a little too early from a shoulder injury. Boom, he's out for three weeks. So and another fumble. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, somebody mentioned it, and I'm going to give credit to Judd um, for this. Every time he gets hurt, he fumbles. Every time. Have you noticed that? Well, yeah. Well, and it's it's the same injury, basically. It's the his right shoulder pops mm-hmm. out, left, and, and it's just and when it does that, you're losing control. Mm-hmm. It happens now. Jamison Winston, if I remember correctly, he's playing with a fractured back. 
which can't be comfortable. No, there's no risk of actually re-injuring it, which is or injuring it further, which is honestly a good thing. But at well, the end of the it's day, the, it's the little. All I can think of is discs. wide bones, like in northerns. It's the little uh, bones that flare out from the um, your central discs, and some of those are busted. And it's it's mm-hmm. nothing, you know, debil- debilitating. It's just it's painful. Yeah. So, yeah, Daniel, super glue that sucker in. We need to do something. Speed tape, super glue, something. Get it in there so it doesn't pop out again. Um, That's why they're going to try the sling. They've tried it before. They've tried it. See how it works. But but it does restrict his movement. Purposely restricts his movement. So once you do that, you're not going to see Dalvin in the passing game, right? And Dalvin, Mm -hmm. we know can catch footballs, and we love him catching footballs in space. Uh, when they operate a screen properly, unlike not this last weekend, but the weekend before, that could be helpful. But you're, it, it now takes that off the table until he heals up some more. Um, Dalvin's never been healthy outside of his freshman year. Possibly, I think it's one of those things he's going to deal with the rest of his life. You know, He yeah. may walk to the kitchen and grab a, a gallon of milk and then ask his wife later when he's 60 hey here grab my arm pull my arm back and stick it back in socket it's it's going to be one of those type of injuries unfortunately for him, but it happens it is what it is um the game is going to be a very interesting watch um give a few keys then we're going to give uh we're going to give a rundown of what you should expect from us this week and then we're going to get out of here guys because it's getting it's getting close to Monday Night Football. I like the idea of spraying some Windex on it. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, biggest things uh, for me that you need to watch. One, you got to see how Kevin O'Connell responds to all this man coverage and Justin Jefferson because Marshawn Lattimore is going to get him one-on-one, and you got to be able to beat Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore is one of the best cornerbacks in football. Um, mm-hmm. I like the idea of keeping Dalvin out. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We just I don't know yet. Ty Chandler um, brought up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Second thing that uh, we need to look for, um, they need to get pressure on Jameis Winston. The easiest way to do that is to go off the left side or blitz up the middle. How are they going to attack that? Are they going to get some situations where they put Hunter and Smith on one edge and try to confuse that left tackle in order to get some pressure? Like There are going to be some opportunities there. Lastly, the Vikings offensive line needs to hold up. They need to stop Cam Jordan. They need to be able to beat beat Marcus Davenport, and they need to stop the interior rushers from being able to get to the quarterback. They basically need to play as well as they did this past week. They can do those three things. You're looking at a Vikings victory, and I'm very excited to kind of see what, that, what that'll what look like, and it obviously is a game in London, so there are a lot of different variables, and Odie is getting very sad. He's whining. All right, buddy. Purple Haze, I'm sorry my expression uh, caused you to get mad because I gave up. I was uh, not expecting the comeback. It was my fault. I should have. It's. Uh, I will know better next time to at least try to keep my expression a little bit more neutral. I've never been good at doing that. I show my feelings <laughs> usually quite easily. But I am glad to call... Kirk Cousins, the comeback king as of today. And that was me picking out the artwork for today. 
by the way. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't do that. <laughs> Look, Kirk, Kirk deserves all the credit in the world for what he did in that last drive. Nobody's going to argue that, but um, there's a reason why they had were in the point of that last drive. And His fourth that quarter was brilliant. Good old Kirky boy. Except for the play right before the final drive where they went five and out. Well, like it, it wasn't perfect. Let's not act like it. We want to clunker. Let's figure out what was wrong. Let's be better for it. That's that's why we're here. Um, in the in the end of the day, um, Vikings Saints. I would project Dave as of right now a Vikings victory, and I'm going to go ahead. I was one point off. I predicted Vikings twenty eight twenty five over the Lions. It was twenty eight twenty four. I'm going to predict Vikings 31, Saints 24, and I think that's going to end up being okay, being the final bad. score. Nope. Okay. I don't want to call games. Vikings are favored. I think they should win. But none of them are easy. No. It's the NFL. Nothing's easy, and it's even harder to bet on it. Dave, on the network this week, how are we looking? We have Vikings hot takes tomorrow with the great Flip Maze from Climbing a Pocket and Eric Thompson from the Daily Norsemen. Then on Wednesday, we have Vikings happy hour. We're working on getting a guest. But it looks to be me and Ryan and our guest. And our guest is a controversial one. But I think you'll like it. And then we come down to Saturday with myself and Darren, your two old bloggers, the guys that have been writing about this team for over two decades each. And you wonder why my uh, feelings get shown every once in a while. It's, uh, it happens. And we'll break down the Saints game last minute, what's up, who's on any injury reports or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, the normal stuff going into a game. And then Sunday, we all wake up early, or we're already up, and we watch the game early, start drinking early, however you do it, you know, good eggs and bacon or uh, uh, bangers, as in England, or sausages, and you have a good time, and then we'll fire up the final score, and we appreciate all that watched that yesterday. It was a good showing. And we'll go over, hopefully, a Vikings win. Absolutely. And you can catch all my written work at the Vikings Wire, where I will, I'm will i continuing to talk about this Lions victory. And we're going to start transitioning over to talking about the Saints and how things look for um, those silly little boys from New Orleans. Uh, in the meantime, thank you all very much for watching and listening. Thank you for dealing with my wonderful, beautiful puppy, Odie, who continues to eat my $700 chair. And ladies and gentlemen, enjoy a victory week. Enjoy being a Vikings fan. And skull, baby. Enjoy your lake monster. Stay healthy. Eat well. And what do we say? We say, go Vikings. Go Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.